theology since the beginning of the year. And of course we get that from 2 Timothy chapter number 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And the next several verses down to the end of the chapter tells us some types of people that we will be able to find in the last days. And uh, we have made the case this evening that uh, this year that um, I've lost my train of thought there. That uh, uh, can y'all hear me okay? So so. How about now? Can you hear me? Ah, you're gonna have to listen very very carefully tonight. Uh, if the rain stops, the fog will start up. Uh, so one way or another, you're gonna have to listen. Is that better? All right, I'm gonna yell at you for a while. Uh, but we're talking about last day's theology. And uh, the theology that will be prevalent uh, at the re- in those last days. And uh, we've been talking about the emerging church philosophy, the emerging church culture, uh, the contemporary movement and how it has affected churches, what it is. And now tonight we are in the book of Jude. And we're going to read verse number 3. Follow along with me, if you will, book of Jude, verse number 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. Notice this next phrase, which was once delivered unto the saints. Much is said about the faith. Here we're admonished to contend for the faith. But I want to draw your attention tonight to that last phrase, which was once delivered unto the saints. If you think of the emerging church and how they define themselves, they are in rebellion against tradition. They are in rebellion against that which has always been. Uh, there is a culture emerging, there is their religion or their belief system emerging from that which was. And so they talk of a fluid belief. They talk of an evolving belief system. But tonight I want to use that phrase in this verse, and I want to talk about the once delivered faith. The Bible is the Word of God. Would you agree tonight? Scripture tells us our faith was delivered one time. The faith once delivered. It does not matter then what culture is evolving into. It does not matter what uh, the postmodern generations think of society or religion or the traditional church. The Bible says that we have a faith that was once delivered. Now, we spent several weeks speaking of the fact that it is just rebellion against God. It's rebellion. Why, why is this generation leaving our churches? Because they're a bunch of rebels. That's why they're leaving our churches. They're rebelling against the truth. And so we have a once delivered faith. I'll say this before I pray tonight. Uh, if, it's, if it's good enough, it only has to be delivered one time. Uh, if, it's, if it's what we need, it only has to be delivered one time. And so I want to think about that tonight, the once delivered faith. Father, I pray tonight that you'll 
uh, help us. I pray that you'll uh, give us the attention we need tonight. And I pray that you'll just uh, help us with a little bit of Bible study. I pray that we'll uh, learn something that will be a help to us so that we might lead somebody else to Christ. We might be able to help somebody from being deceived uh, by that which is false. I pray that you'll uh, bless our evening. I pray that you will accomplish what needs to be accomplished for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This verse, Jude 3, we're reminded uh, that there is a common salvation. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. I want you to think of that phrase, common salvation. And then the last phrase of verse number 3 that we're putting our attention on, which was once delivered unto the saints. See, the Bible does not contradict itself. In much of the philosophy that many are adopting today is a complete contradiction of Scripture. And here we find, in this verse, we find that phrase, common salvation. Are you with me tonight? You're going to have to concentrate on purpose. You're going to have to pay attention on purpose. Uh, and uh, uh, give me your attention, please. What is a common salvation? Which was once delivered unto the saints. And this ought to be a good reminder that we need to pray harder to hurry and get relocated. But anyway, uh, uh, once delivered a common salvation. What is that common salvation? Tonight, how many of you are saved? Let me see your hand. Okay? If you're saved, you got saved the same way everybody else got saved. If you're rich, you get saved the same way as somebody who's poor. If you're uneducated, you get saved the same way as the educated. It doesn't matter who you are, what your background is. If you're saved, you got saved the same way as everybody else. Through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. His finished work on Calvary. That's what common. It's not common as it's thrown away. It has no value. We know the value that it has. You can't put a value. You can't put a price on salvation. It's common in the fact that it's not exclusive to one group and hard to obtain for another. It's a common salvation. Faith is the vehicle through which we get saved. We all got saved the same way. Now, wait a minute. Jude is writing here how many generations ago of a common salvation. Not only tonight do the rich and the poor have the same in common with salvation, the educated and uneducated, the old and the young, if they're saved, it's common. We got saved the same way. But every generation, everybody gets saved the same way. A postmodern generation, after this great movement of technology and all of these things that we enjoy today, there did not become a need for another salvation. Uh, truth endured to all generations. One scripture verse obliterates the whole premise of this movement. Truth endured to all generations. Jude speaks of a common salvation. You realize Jude got saved the same way we got saved? It's common salvation. Why do we want to complicate somebody getting saved? Why do we want to complicate salvation? Tonight, I'm glad it's a common salvation. It's a common salvation. We know we don't have time to, to get into it tonight. But we know that the heart of God is for man to be reconciled to Him. And the only way we can be reconciled is through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of our sin condition. Because we are sinners. That's the heart of God. What did Jesus say? I came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
He came to lay down His life so that we might have salvation. That was His purpose for coming. That common salvation once delivered unto the saints. Jesus paid the sin debt for every man that ever lived, ever will live. He paid the price for their sins. It was a common salvation once delivered unto the saints. For by grace are ye saved by faith. That's how we're saved. It's the grace of God. You don't add anything to that. You don't take anything away from that. Well, do you have to be a church member? Not to get saved, you don't. Do you have to keep the Ten Commandments? No, not to be saved, you don't. It's just believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about that on Sunday a few weeks ago. You're putting that belief on Jesus. It's not something I just feel as though you're putting it on what He did. That's the common salvation. You find a cry today from the emerging church movement, from this uh, rebellion against tradition, rebellion against the way it is, and you hear these terms we've talked about throughout the weeks, well, we just love Jesus, we just don't like the church. And all of these things that they do, we have looked at how they want to change the Bible, change things, and now all of a sudden, I hear this often, well, that's what you believe, but this is what I believe. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't even matter what I believe. It's a matter what God has said. It's our responsibility to get on the same page with God. If you're really right and you have a disagreement with the Bible, God's not changing. He expects you to change. If I, if I look at the Word of God and say, I just don't know that I agree with that, you know who needs to, to, to work a little harder to figure things out, to get to where He needs to get. God's not up in heaven saying, oh no, He, he hasn't figured it out yet. I better, I better make it a little bit plainer for Him. No, He's expecting you and I to study to show ourselves approved. That's what He is expecting for us to be on the same page with God. And we have this philosophy that it's okay. But sadly, it is coming into independent Baptist churches. That we just don't like the old traditions. We don't like, if, if, if you teach something like I teach tonight, well, you're just against technology. No, I'm not. I have an iPhone in my pocket. Well, you're just, no, you're just against, one, one, you hear this, well, Amazing Grace was new at one time. Congratulations. You just stated an obvious fact. We have songwriters who sing new songs in this church all the time. Spiritual songs and hymns has not changed because a new generation says we hate tradition. We think we need something new. We don't hold to the old time religion. We talked about that a few weeks ago as the old time religion outdated. Of course, it is not. Once delivered, there's a whole generation today they're looking for something different. And it's not that which is different is going to give them salvation. It's that which has never changed is going to give them salvation. And the reason why we're having these Wednesday night this study is so that you and I are not intimidated by their words, by their terms, and by their, uh, by, by their vernacular, so that we're, uh, we're something wrong. It's something, I don't want to be outdated. What, what am I supposed to, what, we're supposed to change? No, once delivered 
unto the saints. God is not up in heaven saying, oh no, here comes this postmodern generations, here's these millennials, here's these uh, generations coming, and, and I've got to figure out what they're going to believe. No, that's not the way it is. It is rebellion against the Word of God, same as it's always been. The problem is you have the, the generations ahead of them not holding the line where they need to hold the line. Not standing where they need to stand. See, Satan is, is wiser, but he's smarter than you and I are. He knows how to twist. He knows how to turn words. And he just come up with a whole new vernacular today that falls in the Second Timothy chapter 3, I believe. What people want today is they want acceptance for their sin. I want Christianity, but I don't want it to cost me anything. I want, I want to be able to come, come as you are. Anybody's welcome to come as you are, but I hope through the, through the preaching of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, you don't leave the same as you came. And, and we ought to get uncomfortable once in a while in church. We ought to get uncomfortable once in a while. If, if you don't ever get uncomfortable by the preaching of the Word of God, here, go somewhere where you get uncomfortable. But I promise you, I will do my best to make you uncomfortable from time to time. But before I get up here and make you uncomfortable, I promise you the Holy Spirit of God is making me very uncomfortable when I am preparing in my study with Him. That's the way it's supposed to be. He is the authority. He is truth. Once delivered. Now a lot of Christians today are looking for something new. And we ought to be looking to that which is old. Because it never changes. I want us to look tonight at the once delivered faith. First of all, I want us to see the author is Jesus Christ. Why is it a once-delivered faith? Because there's only a need for a Savior one time. And see, this really simplifies their belief when they say, we need something else. Why is Jesus not enough? Is, 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 if we need more than Jesus, well, that's, just not, that's just not satisfying to me. So Jesus just isn't satisfying. The, 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 the source of that common salvation. And I remind you of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The author of our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the author of the emerging church contemporary movement is man. I've had these discussions. I've had these discussions with, with, with young men and ladies who grow up in this church. I've had these discussions with men who are the same generation as I am, went to the same Bible college I went to. I've had these discussions with men older than me, younger than me, and they always want to come and they always, I don't worship man, I don't worship man, but let me tell you what so-and-so wrote. You see the irony there. Always quoting what somebody else said. For we get our faith from the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the author. Now, we respect and we follow men of the generations prior to us as they hold to the faith. I said this often, I'll say it again tonight. I'm not one to spit in the previous generation just because they were they were men. Just because they had flaws like we have flaws. I'm not going to spit on that previous generation. My Bible tells me to be a faithful man, taking the faith from a faithful man. I'm thankful for all of those, but I do realize they are not the author of our faith. But God uses them. 
Even Paul even said, follow me as I follow Christ. I stand up here as the pastor of this church in Christ's stead. I am not, do not have the authority outside of Him to, to lead His people. Are you with me tonight? It's authority that He has granted me as a pastor. But tonight, I'm asking you only to follow me as I follow Him. I only want to point you to Him. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We must be careful to keep our eyes on Him. You know why you don't leave a Bible preaching church like this one? Because Jesus is the author of our faith. How cheap do we put a price tag on our salvation, on our Savior? We'll take that free gift of salvation and then we'll leave Christ. We can't leave our salvation, but we leave following Him to fulfill our flesh in the name of a softer religion. We can do, and I've taught this in the past, but I'll have time to teach it again this week. I may never get point number one tonight. But but when when their promotion is, leave that church because over here you can drink your alcohol. Think about that. You don't have to worry about what you do or where you go. If that is your hook... What does that say about the end where you're heading? Friend, the, the only hope the Emmanuel God, this church has is the Lord Jesus Christ. This man cannot change you. Nobody here can change you. But Jesus can change you. And Jesus will change everything there is about you. He is the Author. See, I don't have to go down to the, to, to the so-called Christian bookstore to get all of the new ideas from all of these men. I don't have to read Ed Setzer. I don't have to read uh, Rick Warren. I don't have to read any of those. I can read the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have a Bible that does this, the words are even read. To make it easy... So no, this is what he is saying. He is the author. That's why, that's why it's not a cheap faith. That's why I hold and you hold to the conviction that you hold to because it is a common salvation. Think of the parallel. The Bible is an orderly book that common salvation is tied to the faith once delivered. You mess with the faith once delivered you mess with the common salvation. You alter the faith once delivered. You alter salvation. That's what I've done in the past, and I'm not taking any more time. I'm going to move on tonight. But I can show you these churches are full of people who are lost, but they think they're saved because they've messed with the faith which, which is tied to the common salvation. We have a common salvation because we have the faith once delivered unto the saints. Friend, I, in, this, in, this, in this day we live in, I'm not looking for a different faith. I'm not looking for a new faith. I'm looking for the same faith we've always had, whose author is Jesus Christ. Notice this, the authority of that faith once delivered is the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 24, in verse 34 and 35, uh, let me turn there very quickly. Matthew 24, 
verse 34 and 35. I'm sorry, 24 and 35. The Bible says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. See, there are some Baptists today who, who, who do not have this verse in their Bible because they're looking for another authority in which to get their faith. Well, the Bible's outdated. I've had it and said, well, that's what the Bible says. Like it doesn't count. And that's what makes it count. Same words in Mark 13 31. Same words in Luke 21 33. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but what is not going to pass away? When all this is gone, let me tell you what's still going to be here the words of God. If, if, if the words delivered, and the Bible tells us it'll never pass away, why are we looking for something different? If it's not just to appease our flesh, to appease our carnality. No, I have... See, I don't want you to be intimidated when you hear these words. I don't want you to be intimidated when, when, when these discussions come up and, and all these, these buzzwords that come out and, and, when you, and, and, and the condescension of, well, you're part of that, that old-fashioned church, aren't you? Well, the question is, why aren't you? Because we have the authority of the Word of God. It will never pass away. Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That, that's every generation. That's, that's, that's you. That's me. That's when, when Jude wrote this epistle. Common salvation. Faith once delivered. You know why, you know why we talk about the once delivered faith? We have, a, we have, a, we have the, the author that you can't do better than that. We have the authority that comes from the Word of God. Where do we get our, we don't really get our doctrine? We get it from right here. Where do we get our authority? We get it from right here. I, I don't need a book of surveys of, of 500 different churches to tell me how I should do church. I, I've got a book that tells me how to do church. church. And so we have the authority. The third word that I want you to see is, oh, this is a, they would be proud of me. That would be proud of me for using this word tonight. Authenticity. Well, we're looking for an authentic faith. We're looking for an authentic church. How, somebody said to me one time, and it just popped my head like, tell me, what is an authentic church? They couldn't tell me what even they were looking for. We want authentic Christians. We, and, and there's one hypocrite is too many hypocrites. We, we know that, but that's just a cop-out. That's just the cover. That's just an excuse. Well, there's hypocrites down at the church. Well, duh. Of course there are. Uh, you know, but well, hopefully they'll get it straightened out before it's all said and done. Uh, but we really going to something more authentic. Then, how can you get more authentic than our faith? It's delivered. How do we? It's like it's like them having a real one hundred dollar bill and setting it aside for a counterfeit and going to the bank. This looks crisper. 
it was made in a more modern No, the real thing is the real thing. The authenticity. Psalms 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That means from now to the end of time, that now for eternity, the word of God is settled. Are you with me? We look ahead, it's settled. It is. You look behind, it's settled. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled. Malachi chapter number 3, in verse number 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Can you get more authentic big God? I'm looking for something authentic. How about God? I am the Lord, I change not. Who's the author of our faith? The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. For if you're looking for authentic worship, you're looking for authentic church, you're, you're looking for authentic Christianity, then you and I better get to God, find out what God says, find out how we get closer to Him, become more like Him, because you can't get more authentic than the Creator of the world, the Creator of all things, the, the Giver of life, the One who has established His law, the One who has never had a beginning, will never have an end. You can't get more authentic than that. Really, when people say that they've been deceived, they hear these words, what they're saying is, we don't want God. Yeah, right. Look at a version of it. You can't get a better version of God. We want a more tolerant version. So, he he all time says, all you do is judge. God doesn't judge. Have you opened the Bible? He's called the judge. The Word of God. Matter of fact, we're better off when we let the Word of God judge us. That's why when you read the Bible, judge me. Don't fall into this loophole Christianity where you stay the Word of God and try to find the loopholes so you can live the way you want to live. Well, technically, they'll just say that I can't know what I say. How in the world can I become more like my Savior? How in the world can I get closer to my God? You don't get closer to God. You don't find a more authentic worship of bringing the Word into it. You find a more authentic worship. Are you with me tonight? When you push the world out of it and get to the one who is the most authentic than you and I could ever find. Everything is compared to Him. I am the Lord. I have changed not. I've been talking fast. Everybody with me? The fourth one. And we're done. Unless it starts raining. The absolutes. Alright? Once delivered unto the saints, we have the author. Jesus Christ. What do you just think about that? What is our faith? It's Jesus. Everything is wrapped in Jesus. What is the author, the finisher of our faith? The, the authority is the Word of God. Uh, we, we get uh, our authority as far as a church and as far as uh, really build our life, our homes, our marriages from the authority of the Word of God. That's why don't ever read this book like it's an option. Don't read it like us men read instructions. Uh, I, don't think, I, don't think I, I don't think that's very important. 
I can skip this and get to right there. No, no, no. This is the authority. We read it, this is the boss, not me, not you. It's the authority. That's our faith. Once delivered, once delivered, we have the authority of, of the Word of God, the authenticity. Who do you think delivered the faith to us? Ooh, I could add another point. Who do you think delivered the faith unto us? It came from God. It came from Him. Forever, Lord. Uh, he said He changes not. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be afraid of that word. Well, we're just looking for something more authentic. You can't get more authentic than the Creator of all things. But then we have the absolutes. And this is where we get right down to it. The faith once delivered unto the saints. The emerging church, this contemporary philosophy... They do not like absolutes. In their definition, they even define themselves as resisting the absolutes. There are no absolutes. Therefore, the Bible cannot be the authority because everything's changing. Everything's evolving. Faith is fluid. And this day we live in the day, oh, we've left the harshness of our predecessors. And now that's why we're open to, 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 to gay marriage. And that's why we're open to, to, to all of these things that you'll find in verses 2, 3, 4 of Second Timothy chapter number 3. You find it in the church now. We find all of this. We're not bigots anymore. We're not racists anymore. We're not, we're not this anymore. We are more accepting, really, what it is is they don't want absolutes. They don't want the absolutes of Scripture that faith once delivered. Everybody with me? What are those absolutes? It's our doctrine. We don't have time. We've done a word study on the word doctrine back towards the beginning of the year, but it's what we believe. Well, I just don't, I just don't get into all that doctrine. I know everybody has a doctrine. Everybody has a belief system. It just might not line up with Bible doctrine, but everybody has doctrine they hold to. And you hear this today, it's creeping into our Baptist churches. Well, that's a minor doctrine. Come out. Who says? Who decided? That's minor and that's major. Did a group of men get together and say, God, we've decided that these doctrines in the Word of God are major and these are minor. Usually when they say it's a minor doctrine, it's talking about separation, it's talking about holiness, or it's talking about music. That's usually what they mean when they say it's minor. But friend, I just happen to believe the author of this book thinks everything in here is important. I believe he put everything in there on purpose. And if he put it in here, I don't think that the holy, righteous, almighty God sits on his throne and appreciates somebody saying, this is more important, that's not quite as important, so we're not going to give as much attention to that. The absolutes are doctrine. Doctrine is what we believe. We talked about our Baptist doctrine, that we believe as Baptist. We get that based on the Word of God. It's our set of beliefs. The contemporary movement, the emerging church, they care little about doctrine. It's all about behavior. Now, friend, doctrine will change your behavior. 
preaching the Bible, reading the Bible, reading the Bible, it will change your behavior. That's why I, I don't get worried. You get, you get somebody new to church, you get somebody, a new Christian, they come in, and, and, and they obviously look like a new Christian, they act like a new Christian, they may not shout amen in church, they may shout something else in church, and, and whatever the case may be, I'm not worried about it, because as long as they keep coming and hearing the Word of God, that they've been saved, the Holy Spirit inside of them is going to take care of those saved, is going to change them. It's not my job, it's not your job. The Holy Spirit is more than capable. But when we come to church and it's all about what we do, that's where we have the problem. Our activity. It's doctrine. That's an absolute. I, well, we, we want to drop the, and I, and I taught this on why labels matter. We want to drop the name Baptist so that we can appeal. We're community now. Because we want everybody to know we're in your community. Think about this. You know, the address is in the community, so they probably know you're in the community anyway. Um, we, 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 what they're doing is that they're putting doctrine behind their back. I don't think they really believe. Because there's people out there, it's a non-denominational churches, and they can only sing that song that says the same words over and over again. They can only choke on the smoke machine so many times. And here, see a guy looking up there, looks more like a pilot than a preacher, uh, giving them some, 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 some lecture to say, I need something more than this. So, and they're going to do they're looking for something that's not that. And what we're doing in Baptist today is we're trying to disguise and say we're like them, but we're not supposed to be like them. Because some things are absolutes. Study Baptist history. Read about how our Baptist forefathers were murdered, slaughtered. You have to forgive me. I'm fairly well read. And when I have... Someone in my generation or younger generation, oh, no, that's, that's not that big a deal. That, Baptist is divisive. I, I'm sorry, just like I, I don't like the fact that some would, would waste the, the blood that's been shed by the patriots of our country to take advantage of the freedom we have. I, I don't appreciate the fact that my Baptist forefathers were butchered and murdered because of what they believed, and you're just gonna, you're just gonna step over that. And it does mean something. Why? Because it's a why would why would they not give up their doctrine? Are, are you with me tonight? I know it's July fifth and Thursday night, and you're not used to being here. But, but but stay with me. Why would they not give it up? Because it was once delivered. There wasn't another one coming. It was precious. Where did it come from? God Himself. What does it represent? The common salvation. There's a command, faithful man, the faithful man, so that we can turn and pass it down, so that others might be saved. The absolutes of doctrine, very quickly, the methods. We don't have the absolute of the methods. And I bring this up because it is very relevant to the day for day. You have these say methods do not matter. And it doesn't matter how it doesn't matter how you reach people, just reach people. I beg to differ. Pick up your Bible. There's methods in this book. Now, I used this example last week during the summer because of the temperature we're having church before Sunday school. There's no problem with that. Now, some of you are hungry by the time we get to Sunday school, but besides that, 
That's not what I'm talking about. But God gave us, but why would... I hate to use common sense in some, some of these discussions I had with people. Why would God say, go in the world and reach the world and not give you specific methods to reach the world when He loved the world so much He sent His only begotten Son to take upon the, Him the sins of the world? Why would He not give you specific methods to do what He told you to do? How many of you would parent that way? Go do this and this and never tell, them how, tell your children how to do it. How many of you could stay employed if you were told to go do, do a job and you were never instructed on how to accomplish it? Yeah, you, nobody does business that way. But now we get into our churches and it's like, well, we're supposed to reach the world. It doesn't really matter how we do it. I beg the differ. The methods are still Bible. Door to door, house to house, confrontational soul winning. That's still a method in the Bible. Still in the Word of God. Their plan of missions is in the Bible. As a church sending out laborers is still in the Bible. Praise the Lord, we were able to start a brand new church this past Sunday. You know that's scriptural. That's in the Bible. Well, it's just a line with this person, this person, this person. And you have this, this movement of setting down what we believe, our separation, all those things for the sake of the gospel. I'm helping you tonight if, if you pay attention. Turn to Jude chapter 3 in the common salvation and a faith once delivered unto the saints. That is the preservation of the gospel. God doesn't need us to recreate how to win the world. He's already established. The methods are there. The manner is an absolute. This is where it gets down to it. Holiness is still in the Bible. I, I, I don't... I'm for standards. Everybody's got them. Aren't you glad you eat a restaurant with standards? I don't know where that restaurant. They got they have a D standard, but you want a church with a D standard. Uh, restaurants have standards. But I, I don't I don't use that word a lot, not because I'm afraid of it. Standards, standards, standards. Okay, I'm not afraid of it. But if we put the emphasis on holiness. We don't have to talk about standards. We don't talk about it. See, what they'll do is they'll talk about that word standards. Oh, it is legal, isn't it? Okay, fine. Let's talk about holiness. Holiness. That's still the manner in which you and I, as a child of God, are supposed to live. It's the manner we're supposed to gather together as a group, as a church. It's the manner in which we're supposed we got our worship on today. Just the, the, the sound of that is so irreverent. And I would make the case blasphemous. Oh, we, we have a holy God. A holy God. Well, we should live in a manner of holiness. You know, what would turn this world upside down is not showing them we're just like them. Oh, we're no better than the lost man. We were a lost man before we accepted Christ. But we turn this world upside down is for Christians to spend so much time with a holy God that God rubs off on them and they say, you know what? I, I don't even, I might, I don't even have to ask Pastor about this. This is keeping me from being closer to my God. 
when I watch this stuff, there's things in my mind, I'm not thinking, but I like to spend time with my God. I want to be more like my Savior. I want to, let's put the, it's the seven manner. 2 Timothy 3 verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. We'll talk more about that in future weeks, but that man, it's an absolute. Well, it's, 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 we live in a different day today. We do. But we still have the same God. We still have the faith once delivered. What, what are we looking for? It's, it is sad to think of the Jewish people. You read how they rejected Christ in the Bible and even today how they're still looking for a Messiah. They're looking for something better than Jesus in their mind. How sad. There is nothing better than Jesus. But how many Christians are looking for something better than the faith once delivered unto the saints? He delivered it once. That pattern is there. Paul writes to Timothy, faithful man to faithful man. Then I'm supposed to turn and recreate that faithful man to faithful man. That's why there needs to be in every church, every Bible preaching church, there needs to be that generation of young men and young ladies who will say, Pastor, I'll, I'll take that faith. Mom and Dad, I'll take that faith. There's too many rebels complaining about the faith Mom and Dad have and rejecting their faith. There's somebody, your children, if you don't take the faith from Mom and Dad, are, are you hearing me tonight? What are you going to give your kids? Well, it's, it's different. It's a more loving faith. Really? It's more loving than John 3.16? I want them to be able to have this liberty and this freedom that I did not have. Why did you want them to taste more of the world at a younger age than you did? There's no logic in that. If you don't take the faith once, are you with me? Delivered unto the saints. Take it and get, what are you going to give it? You can't give them a better version because there's only one. Our Christians are looking for something else. You keep looking and looking and looking, I promise you, you won't find anything better than the author. You won't, you'll find others, but you won't find one of that author, capital A. He's also the author and the finisher. Find somebody else who's started a denomination and ask them how they finished the faith. There is no finish. There's an end and it's destruction. But with the Lord Jesus, He not only offered it, He finished it. Let's hold to the faith once delivered. Let's hold, I hope this, this helps you again tonight. You, talk, you hear these words, you hear these things, and we get intimidated about it. It's very, the Bible is not as complicated as we make it. We just don't study it enough. We just don't read it enough. That, that faith once delivered. How do, we, how do we reconcile with that? One faith. One God. This is the faith. Father, help us tonight to consider these things. Help us to stay in the Word of God. Help us to be thankful for the faith.